This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 108 with Leanne Cabot. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 108. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Leanne Cabot is the CEO of MamaCon and the soon-to-be-launched Mama Connects. Her first passion is her family and three incredibly patient and forgiving kids. And her second passion is building a strong and vibrant community for mamas to grow and connect on their motherhood journey. She knows firsthand how hard life can be and she inspires mamas to run, walk, or crawl through some of life's toughest obstacles. And she does it with a snack bag filled with dark chocolate and popcorn. Her past career stops include elementary school teacher, documentary filmmaker for HBO and Disney, and a travel agent, which comes in handy when she is on a mission to travel to 50 countries before she turns 50 as her pledge to live life fully. So I try to not have favorites, you guys, but oh my gosh, this episode, it's one of my favorites. Like I'm just, I'm going to put it out there. I was blown away. I'm going to tell you how I met Leanne as we get into the interview. We were connected through some colleagues and some kind of entrepreneurial friends. And when I met her, I knew we'd be friends because she's a redhead. We also recently found out our birthdays are two days apart. So I think we're twins separated at birth. She might not know that when she hears this, she's going to know for the first time. So that's exciting. So now we're sisters, Leanne. But when I heard Leanne's story, within minutes of her starting to tell me, I said, you have to come on my podcast. And that was not what we met for. We met to talk about something different. And that just came out. And I was like, you have to be on my podcast. And then I emailed her a couple times. I'm like, when are we doing this? When are we doing this? So today, 
You are in for a treat. Leanne's going to share an extremely personal story with us all. It's the story that she told me the first time I met her that blew my mind. She's going to tell you about the death sentence that she was given. So she had a medical scare when she was home alone with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and she was five months pregnant. She will tell you about that medical scare, how she ended up paralyzed in the middle of the night, unable to care for herself or her children, how she got herself to the hospital, how she then endured months of testing and uncertainty about what was going on with her and why she'd had this massive medical scare, only to be told that the doctors weren't quite sure what was wrong, but she would not survive more than five years. Leanne's going to tell us what her life was like after receiving a death sentence. She's going to talk about her breaking point three years after this diagnosis and how things started to turn around at that point. She's going to talk about how drugs ruined her and her mindset saved her. And then she's going to share with us how she stumbled upon her tribe and how life-changing and life-giving her tribe has been. She now owns her tribe and you'll get to hear about how that happened. And her tribe has been built on the philosophy that she has an utterly unshakable belief that no mama should mama alone. So grab a few tissues and maybe a glass of wine because you are in for a huge treat hearing Leanne's story. So let's go ahead and dive in with Leanne Cabot. Leanne Cabot, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. And I'll tell our listeners how we met because this was a fun story. And I kind of expressed this to you as it was happening, but we were introduced through some colleagues and we got together. And as we started getting to know each other within like five to seven minutes, I was like, I need to interview her for the podcast. (laughs) You started telling me a little bit of your recent life story. And I was like, the world needs to hear this story. This is like, this cannot be a private story. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to have you here because you're talking about something that I think a lot of people can't relate to, but it is in terms of your life perspective and what you've gone through in the past 10 years, it is such a life-changing event and it changed the course of your life. And so I'm really excited to dive into your story and have you kind of share with us how you've gone from thinking you would not be living today to mm-hmm. living really fully. So let's go ahead and just go right back to where this began, where you started telling me the story in the middle of Starbucks. Take us back to 2006 when you had just made this big move from Canada to Sammamish, Washington, which is right by Seattle. And there was a night where everything changed forever. So let us fill us in on what happened that night. Yeah. So we had just moved from Canada on the east side. So it was a big move. It definitely left all of our friends and family behind so we could come here and start fresh I had two young kids. Alex was four and Nicole was two at the time. And I was five months pregnant. And my husband had left for a business trip in California and everything was fine. We had dinner, we cuddled up, we all fell asleep in one big bed. And sometime in the middle of the night, I just needed to go pee. So I got up to go to the bathroom as pregnant moms need to do. And as I stood up, I absolutely collapsed on the floor and blacked out. And I couldn't actually move for five hours. So I could only crack open my eyes enough to see the clock that was over on the wall. And it was a digital clock. So I was watching minute by minute by minute passing. And I'm panicked inside because I can't move my arms. I can't move my legs. And the kids are sleeping in the bed right beside me. And your husband's gone, I'm assuming, for like days, right? Yeah, he's gone for the week. Okay. So I was on the floor and I was hyperventilating inside, but I actually wasn't even moving. So 
I feel the tears running down my face. I could feel that I was screaming inside and I absolutely was paralyzed. Sometime around five o'clock, things started to shift. So my brain started to swirl. It was pounding. I was having these neon pink flashes in my eyes. Vertigo set in. So everything started to spin and I started to get feeling back in my hands. So it was like the pins and needles, but full body pins and needles. And I got up, you know, I cleaned myself up because of course I woke up five hours earlier having to pee and I woke the kids up. I got breakfast for them and I tossed them in the van and I drove down to Issaquah to see a doctor. And the woman saw me walk in and she just thought, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Like, did you just have some major crash? And I said, I think I did have a big crash. But of course I meant a brain crash, not a car crash. So she sent me to a different facility because of course I was pregnant and they didn't want to take any risks with me at that point. And it just started off this enormous cycle of testing and prodding and poking to try to figure out what had happened. And so I went from various facilities to meet with neurologists and cardiologists and endocrinologists and anyone who has anything to do with a pregnant woman's body, I needed to see. So over the next few weeks, I was bounced from doctor to doctor and they really didn't know what was going on, but they all felt compelled to investigate because this was such an enormous medical event. It was such a medical event. They all wanted a piece of what was going on. And because it touched on so many different specialties, everybody had something to say about it. So this continued for several months and it slowed down a little bit, but not overly because I continued to have symptoms. So I continued to black out. I continued to have the pink neon. I started to have this sensation of, you know, bugs crawling. So I went to the doctor and I said, you know, to my doctor, I think I have lice. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, can you find them? And she's looking in my hair and she's like, sweetie, there's no lice. I'm like, no, no, no. I feel them walking. Oh my gosh. Leanne, you don't feel lice walking. What does it feel like? And I kind of took my fingers and I drummed them on my thigh. And she said, oh no, sweetie, that is not lice. You don't feel them walking around like they've got big cement boots. I mean, you just, (laughs) you have the itchiness, but I think what you're having is the neurological like the tips of your neurons are just firing. And it's so it's like some kind of neurological situation going on in your head. So before we go, because I want to go into everything that the doctors told you, but I want to go back for just a minute, because I do want to touch on, first of all, driving yourself to the emergency room. Like, were you terrified? Or were you just like survival mode? And this is what needs to be done? I don't remember necessarily driving down to the hospital. I just remembered thinking I fell on this baby. I fell on my belly and I have a baby and I am terrified that I have crushed him because I laid on him for five hours. Oh my gosh. So to me, Sarah, I didn't even think twice about the danger that I could have been causing. I mean, it was six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. So luckily, you know, to the heavens, the roads were empty all the way through Sammamish, but it didn't even occur to me, you know, I didn't know any neighbors, so it didn't occur to me to go out and knock on a door. I didn't think to call 911. I was just, I need a hospital. I need a hospital. And when you were laying on the floor, like, I mean, you must have been eventually cognizant of what was going on. And were you formulating a plan for like, if you remained there paralyzed, not able to move, not able to speak, did you have a plan for like how you were going to manage that with the kids, with the two-year-old and the four-year-old? No, you know, I didn't. I thought 
that I needed to get up before they did. You know, I was awake. So as soon as I blacked out, I came to again. So for the whole time, the whole experience, I was awake. So I was paralyzed physically, but mentally I was completely aware of what was going on. And I could hear, you know, cars driving outside. I could, you know, hear the smoke detector was beeping every once. You know, I mean, there was just sounds that I was aware of. But it, it didn't occur to me to have a plan in case they woke up first. My plan was get up, Leanne, get off this floor, off the floor. It reminds me of when you hear stories of like, you know, a mom like lifting a car off of a toddler's foot kind of a thing like this, like Herculean strength where you just will yourself into the situation that you have to be in because you know, there's no other option. And it makes me think of that, that like by the time the kids woke up, you had essentially willed yourself. I'm not sure that like medical indicators would say the same thing, but that's what it sounds like. Like you willed yourself out of the situation so that you could get your family into a safe situation. Right. I mean, I was talking to these pink neon stripes. I'm like, okay, I like pink. Okay. (laughs) You know, let's get her pink shirt. She will wear a pink shirt. I'm okay with the pink. I really had big conversations with myself in between the bouts of absolute panic right. to be, you know, let me get off the floor and get to the help I need. Right. I didn't okay. have a plan of what would have happened if Alex woke up and saw me on the floor, you know, in a puddle of pee on my tummy frozen. It right. didn't occur to me what I should do. And I think that sometimes is the power of not having a plan B is that like you make plan A work. <laughs> And and again, this is not like, you know, not what the medical testing would potentially show from that situation. But I just think that like, when you think there's no other way, you just do what you have to do. And I think that all of us, you know, this is a very extreme example. But I think that all of us have different mommy moments where we look back and we're like, how did I do that? And you just did it. You did it. (laughs) So tell us about the medical journey then, as you started to describe going to all these doctors and testing and trying to figure out these symptoms that were seem to be recurring. So it was a really hard experience because nobody gave information. They just collected data. So I had brain scans. I was admitted to Cherry Hill for five days of epilepsy testing, and they just kept me awake around the clock for days. Oh, my gosh. You know, flashing lights and putting noises in my ears. It was torture. Like, I think back to how strong I must have been in those moments to want to know what happened to me that I was willing to go through all of this. I had to inject myself, you know, in 20 minute intervals around the clock and then blood drawn in various places. It felt really horrendous. And this is all while pregnant. All while pregnant. And as soon as Michael was born, then everything kind of intensified, right? So they started, you know, I needed to take medication. So they really felt like neurologically, my brain was misfiring. So we needed to calm down the neurons. So I was taking epilepsy medicine and antipsychotic medicine. And of course, I didn't have these conditions. So my body was not prepared for what this was putting into me, right? So I was confused, and I was foggy, and I was crying, and I was an absolute mess. I remembered I needed to go through all of these procedures and go have this bubble test, they called it. So I needed to get all of these different injections, go have some blood work, and then take all that to another facility at the UW. And they hooked me all up to this machine and they were testing to see if I had leaks. 
And I was like, what kind of leaks? Like bladder leaks, you know? That's what most moms would think of. (laughs) Totally, right? I didn't even have the understanding of all what was happening. And it wasn't, you know, it was cardiological leaks. So they tested and, you know, he came back and he said, oh, very interesting. Let's try this next test. And it just kept going on and on. And finally, in November, I got the call from the UW saying, okay, Leanne, we want you to come in. We want to talk to you. And I thought, thank God. This happened in March. It's now November. I can't wait another day to find out what's wrong with me and then fix it, right? Because I have three babies at home. Right. And so I went to the UW and I went by myself. Don't ask me why I didn't bring my husband or my girlfriend or, you know, find a person on the street to come with me. (laughs) Anyone? (laughs) Anyone, anyone. I went alone. And of course, remember, I had just moved here two months before this happened So I didn't really know anyone, you know, I didn't have a circle. I didn't have a village. I didn't have a, you know, a preschool group or a church group or a knitting circle. Like I had no one when this happened. So that continued the entire spring and summer. I still had no one because I felt so sick and so dysfunctional. I couldn't possibly go out into the world and meet someone. I was a total mess. So I went to the UW in November and it was the week before Thanksgiving And there was a panel of doctors and, you know, some of them I recognized as people who had poked and prodded and some of them I had no idea who they were. And I got there, sat down and it was really, you know, I think of it now and I kind of giggle, but it was almost like flash dance. Do you remember that, you know, where Jennifer Beals comes in to do her dance and there's like this panel of very serious looking people all in dark clothes on this long table? (laughs) Yes, totally. So I walk into this room and there's no dancing, there's no music, but there's like (laughs) intensity, right? There's this heaviness in the room and I find a seat, I sit down and my neurologist comes over and grabs a chair, drags it beside me. And she said, you know, this is this person. She introduces me around and they start talking medically of what they found. So you have a hole in your heart. Did you know that this is what we tested? This is how we know. This is how big your hole is oh, did you know you had this condition? This is what this all means. And so it just went through all of these different pieces. You know, like my body was a puzzle and they all had this small little piece. And when they were all done, I looked back to my neurologist and I said, so so what does all this mean? And she said, well, we actually don't know what you have, but we agree that it's going to kill you. Oh my gosh. And I said, what? (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? And she said, Leanne, we think you have five years left to live. What did you say? You know, I'm a redhead like you. (laughs) So I immediately turned a little Irish and I just started probably cursing, a little bit excited. (laughs) And I was just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Five years. Like I have a baby at home. I have three babies at home. My birthday is next week and we have a cupcake recipe we are building together. (laughs) Next week is Thanksgiving. I have a dinner to prepare for. How am I now to be preparing for a funeral? And she just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, so now what? So now what? What do I do with all of this? And she said, go home and hug your babies. (laughs) And put your life in order and enjoy every minute. And then she gave me a pad of prescriptions, no joke, and sent me on my way. And so I sat in the car and I'm bawling. And 
I have no one to call and I have no one to console me. And I just drove home and I made lunch and I picked up the kids from school and I really tried to put the pieces back together. I filled the prescriptions and I just started taking pills, taking injections, you know, doing these cream rubs, eating these special diet foods. I just said, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do it all. Everything they tell me to do, I'm doing it because this is not going to be okay. And were the things that they were suggesting supposed to prolong your lifespan or just to keep you more functional in the next five years or however long you had? Yeah. So I think, I mean, it was a blending of both, right? Because there were doctors there who felt like five years was too generous. Okay. You know, they had my brain scans up. I had had some specialty nuclear testing that is not standard for most people. And they whipped out pictures of my brain like I had never seen before. And they pointed, you know, they had sticks and they're like, look here, you know, this is the nucleus of your disease. This is your brain crash site. And this is all the damage. So all of the oxygen depletion that happened that night that you fell, this is all the brain matter that it killed. All of the times that you had this, this is the demonstrated effect of what happened to you. One of the interesting things they had sent me to do was a neuropsychological evaluation. So she measured me over three days. I had 24 hours of testing and she measured everything I could do. Could I stack blocks? Could I build a puzzle? Could I solve a riddle? Could I answer this math question? Could I find the grammatical errors in this sentence? It was this massive undertaking of everything that you could imagine a brain should be able to do. And so she was one of the big contributors in pointing out the various pieces of ability that I no longer had. So she would be the person who would say, yes, Leanne, I know that you think you're fine, but I've tested you. And this piece of executive functioning is now gone. You no longer have this. Were you noticing those things in your day-to-day life? Like where there was gaps in your mental, in your function? Totally. I definitely noticed that I didn't drive anymore. Obviously I was a mess. So, you know, thankfully I made that very smart choice, but I got lost in my neighborhood. Wow. And I couldn't get home. And of course, I didn't have a cell phone at the time because, you know, it was 10 years ago. I didn't have a cell phone. And I literally sat on the side of the road and started to ball. Like I couldn't find my house. And I had lived here for six months. I mean, Sammamish is confusing, but not that confusing. (laughs) Just I couldn't remap. I couldn't retrace my steps, right? I couldn't visualize where I needed to go. And so I remembered that there was a fence around a pond. And this old man came over with a dog and he said, well, there's only like four of those retention ponds. Come walk with me and we'll find the one near your house. And he must've thought he found a toddler because I was really like, oh, I don't remember a greenhouse there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There were definite days of total inability. And so you can imagine I'm a mom, right? Like kids need a thousand things. Right. And I could barely function. So my feelings as a failure were off the charts. Oh, I'm sure. I could not even feel like I deserved to have these children, right? I couldn't even believe that God would send me these babies to just destroy them. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, 
a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption and liver toxicity which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home so like the installation free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. And so that was a super dark time. Were you full-time caregiving the kids then or did you end up having help with the kids? You know, I was the worst because I didn't really want any help. I wanted to be the it's mom. the red hair. Yeah. You know, I was like, no, these are, these are my stubborn. babies and I am raising these children. So none of them were in school at the time. I, we didn't have a preschool. We didn't have any care for them and they were just home. Yeah. So the house was a mess. And they were a little bit of hooligan-y, I have to say. I mean, <laughs> discipline was probably not high on the list when we were just trying to make it through. But they became extremely mature, right? Yeah. They had to take care of things that other four-year-olds and two-year-olds probably wouldn't. Right. 
And so that then laid to the guilt, right? Because of course, then it's showing me when my daughter is, you know, brushing her brother's hair that I'm not doing something right. So it Mm -hmm. just compounded. And that was just mentally really hard to carry. Yeah. My husband noticed that things were getting totally out of control. And he asked his mother to come down and help. And she is a lovely woman. She's a tiny little Polish powerhouse. So she's very old school. She's very direct. There is no warm and fuzzies with this woman. (laughs) And so she watched for a couple of days. And then my daughter needed to have a snack and she wanted a cheese string. So she opened the fridge and she reached in, she grabbed a cheese string and she's like, mommy, I can't open it. Can you open the cheese string? And I was like, of course, I can do everything. Oh my God, it nearly killed me. I couldn't open the cheese string. I couldn't find the end to peel apart. And I couldn't actually physically pull the two pieces of plastic apart. I was confused and I was weak and I was starting to panic because she's standing there looking at me with these huge blue eyes saying, mommy, it's okay. I didn't want cheese anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're getting cheese. I'm (laughs) this for you. And I struggled and I'm panicking and the tears are flowing and I'm starting to shake. And I grab the cleaver off the knife block and I put the cheese on the counter and I whack it like a -a whack-a-mole game. And cheese flies. You know, the two halves of the cheese just fly off the counter and I'm panting and puffing and she's totally terrified. And I pick up the pieces and I said, here, sweetie, here's your cheese. And she just ran away. Of course I terrified her. And my mother-in-law was there and she said, you know, this isn't looking very good. And I said, it's fine. It's fine. And she's like, no, Lillian, my name is Leanne, but she still calls me Lillian. No, Lillian, (laughs) you know, it's not fine you know, you're sick, you have to stop. And I'm like, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Can't you see how hard I'm trying to do this? And she said, don't worry. And for the slightest moment, I thought, oh my God, there's a warm and fuzzy coming. (laughs) And so I opened myself up and I physically remember kind of opening my chest a little bit to say, I'm going to take this. And she looked at me and she said, don't worry. When you die, I raise children. Oh, my gosh. I said, what did you say? (laughs) (laughs) Let me be clear, because I'm not hearing things properly nowadays. (laughs) And she repeated it. And I thought, no, no, no bloody way. No, the no, the day this happens is the day I am going to tear this world apart. I threw out literally buckets of medications, injectables, syringes, tablets, powders, like everything. It was, I threw it all away. I went for a walk and I just really spoke harshly to myself. I spoke harshly to the universe. (laughs) I was angry and I was tired and I was confused And I just said, it is not ending this way. It is not going down this way. You are not taking me. This doesn't even have a name, right? You can't even get the smartest people in half the country to tell me what I have. So this is not going to be the way it ends. And I really decided that I was going to live. And that's all fine and great. (laughs) There was always that little piece that was, 
the five years, you know, the five years. The and five, where were you in the five years at this point? Three. Three years in? Okay. I was three years in. And so as much as I want to say I was a superwoman, no, I was on one hand the best mom I could possibly be. And on the other hand, I kept my finger on the calendar, checking to see how much time I had. And I thought if she's going to be raising my children, they will have the best foundation they have from me. So I became so invested in building the relationship with them and giving them experiences that I wanted them to have. And, you know, we went through the calendar, we checked out, you know, all the little vacations we could do, all the museum trips and all the park play dates. And I still didn't really have a village, right? I still didn't have a circle of people. It was me and the three kids. So the four of us, you know, powered through the world and I was going to yoga. I was trying to be more fit. I was trying to eat more carefully. If I was tired, I slept. I really stopped living for what I was producing. And I started living for what I needed. Mm. If I needed sleep, if I needed chocolate, if I needed to go swimming, if I needed quiet, if I needed, you know, commotion and life and energy, whatever that was, that dictated what we needed. So it wasn't if my dishes were clean, or (laughs) if the bills were paid, I didn't care, right? Because in my life, I had two years left. Right. And I filled our life with all of these great experiences and time just started to flow. Alex started kindergarten and then Nicole started kindergarten. And I looked at the calendar and I just thought, huh, I've just passed my five years. Huh. Okay. Well, maybe they were off by a month. Maybe it's like the tarot card readers that say sometime in the future, you know, (laughs) you will win the lottery, but they can't tell you it'll be July 1992. And I thought, okay, so I'm not going to get excited yet because they could be off by a month. Or did the five years start from the brain crash or from the message, you know, in November? So I had played with all of these things. I can so imagine doing like the exact same, like playing with the details. (laughs) And I'm, you know, you're negotiating with the devil, right? Right. You're like, okay, well, if it's the November date, then, you know, I can give you this. I can, you know, raise money for this charity or, you know, you start doing crazy things because you think something is out of your control. Right. And I realized this was so much in my control. I became healthier than I had ever been. I became a better mom than I ever was. And we decided that we needed new numbers. We needed new numbers. So the five years was becoming so heavy and burdensome. And I thought about it a lot. And I kept, you know, wondering, is today the day? Is today the day? you know, Alex's little school play is on Wednesday. Will I make it to Wednesday? Oh my gosh. This is insane. I can't live like this. What were the doctors saying as you approached that five-year mark? Were you still seeing them regularly? Yeah, I was. And, you know, it was interesting because I think they didn't realize the enormity and the power of what they had done. Right. They didn't realize bringing a young hormonal, you know, postpartum woman into this kind of panel of experts and telling her she was dying, I don't think they realized how impressionable I was, right? And how desperate I was for connecting to answers, connecting to people, connecting to, you know, salvation. And so I really went off into the world begging for answers. So I didn't stop seeing doctors. I continued to see all of them. 
I continued to go in probably monthly. I went to somebody and I always checked with them. So from your point of view, you know, you thought I had a little bit more time. Do you still think that, you know, what does my test in endocrinology say? What does my metabolism say? What are my kidneys saying? What are my kidneys telling you? What are they telling you? (laughs) So I continued that. And then at this five-year mark, I just thought, you know what? I don't know that they were right. I don't know that they were right. They possibly, you know, could have been right if I continued down the path I was on. But I am eating perfectly perfect. (laughs) I am exercising perfectly perfect. I am resting and recharging I am, you know, feeding my mind good things, healthy things. I'm not, you know, getting into the world of politics or the world of, you know, sad traumas. I am just protecting me in the world. So maybe they were right, but they're not right anymore. And with this newfound love of life, I created this 50 by 50 plan. And I remember going into my neurologist and she said, you're doing what? What is that? And I said, it's a 50 by 50 plan. And let me tell you what it is. I promise and I pledge before I turn 50 that I will visit 50 countries in the world. And she literally snorted her coffee. She was like, you're doing what? No, I don't know why you would set yourself up for this kind of failure. You are lucky to be 45, but you are not making it to 50. Like, let's be real. And I said, oh, no, 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 I am. And I will be visiting 50 countries on my way because my life is better because of what I've learned to do here. But I bet people in other places do things perfectly great, too. So I want to go to Bali and I want to see how they reduce stress in their life. How do they deal with, you know, living in a busy city in London? I want to see what the people in Turkey do to eat healthy. Let's see this Mediterranean diet in the Mediterranean. (laughs) And so my husband was on board somewhat. I mean, this became an expensive endeavor, right? (laughs) Because I'm not saying I want to go to 50 restaurants in Bellevue. Right, right. So, you know, we made some compromises. Sometimes it was just him and I that went somewhere. So we went to Costa Rica together, just the two of us. And we really spent time paying attention to being in nature, You know, how do you be in the rainforest? What are the things that are thriving in the rainforest and what feeds them? What nurtures them and nourishes them deeply? And we went to Bermuda because I thought, I want to see what pink sand looks like. I want to see what pink sand looks like. You know, what does it feel like? Does it feel different than white sand? Does it feel different than black sand? I want to know. I want to lie in it. I want to rub it on my skin. I want to feel that feeling. And so it really started driving this new passion for exploration. And I forgot about the five years. And I really didn't think about it anymore. Because I had replaced it with something that was bigger than me, and greater than me. And as time permitted, and money permitted, you know, something bigger than my whole family, right? So we started taking the kids to countries around the world and giving them little projects there of things to ask other kids about how do you play soccer when you don't have shoes? how do you go to school when you don't get books? Like, let's ask these questions because, you know, we are so ahead in some ways, but in other ways, as a culture, we have so much to learn. Yes. So this past November was my 10 year anniversary. Yay. (laughs) Sorry, I just choked up for a second. You should. I'm choking up. That's amazing. 
It was my 10 year anniversary. And that was by far the most incredible gift because it felt so far when I was on that floor, when I was frozen on the floor, when I was crying on the curb, you know, all of these times when I was physically down, right? I physically fell down. I had to tell myself, get up. You know, I didn't have the people around me to get me up. I didn't have a sister and a girlfriend and college roommates and sorority sisters. I didn't have any of that. I had to say, okay, Leanne, get up. And so it felt extremely monumental for me to get to that 10 year mark. And I celebrated, you know, I planned a trip. We went with the family. I made a big deal of it because it was a big deal. It, it was a big huge deal. deal. It was a huge deal. And so I was very grateful for the opportunity to live, you know, but I was also so proud of myself for getting up, Yeah, getting up every time and just saying, this is not taking me down. This is not taking me down. Right. So a huge part of this whole journey has been how independent you had to be in the journey that you didn't have people to lean on. And I know that that shifted, I think it was in 2012, there was a kind of a pivotal event. And so Mm -hmm. can you tell us, and like you said, you know, you had just moved here when this happened and you weren't in a position after the middle of the night episode, you weren't in a position to go make friends because you were like in survival mode for years. And so I know that network and like that girlfriend's network was and the lack of it was really missing in your life and that and was very noticeable to you. So tell us about the event in 2012 that helped that shift for you. Yeah, so I had not really connected with a lot of people. Even when I started to feel a little better, it was really me and the kids. You know, we were a very fiercely independent group and the four of us kind of charged through the world, you know, arm in arm. And when my older son started to attend a school in Kirkland. It was a very community-based school. And so I started to break in a little bit into what it felt like to have people. What does it feel like to have people? People who ask you how you are, people who, you know, bring extra food at the potluck to make sure everybody has some, people who arrange playdates with your child so, you know, they had some social time outside of school hours. Like it was a brand new experience. And one of the moms in this community was an entrepreneur. She sold doTERRA oils and she had a ticket to an event. And she's like, you know what, Leanne, I am going by myself. I'm not bringing a person as a vendor. So I have this extra ticket. Would you like to go? And I'm super polite. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. Yes, but you know, that would be lovely. And I put it in my purse and I really didn't think about it because I thought, oh my God, first of all, I'm a mess. Like I shouldn't be out in the world at all. But also what could I give? I can't give anything. I have nothing to give. So it just felt like it wasn't for me to experience. And it sat in my purse for the week. And then the event was on Saturday. And on Friday night, I was digging for something. And this ticket literally kind of jumped out of my purse and fell on the floor. And I thought, huh, I forgot about that let me take a look at this. And so I looked at it a little closer and it was for the next morning and it was, you know, a girlfriend's getaway. It was fun and music and giveaways and a marketplace. And I thought I could probably hide 
(laughs) Go check it out, but be super incognito. (laughs) Yeah. I can stay in the shadows easily when there's this much commotion going on. So I went the next morning, I arrived at the hotel, I parked my car and I walked in and all I could feel was the pulsating music. And I looked around thinking, is this a dance club? (laughs) (laughs) In Bellevue at 10 (laughs) a.m.? Exactly. And I came around the corner and there were these women on the stage and this music was blasting and this slideshow was going behind them flashing all of these women, you know, kind of hugging and laughing and just pictures of all of these people. And I thought, oh my God, what is this? So I found a seat at the back and I sat in the corner and I watched and it was literally the most mind blowing experience I had ever experienced. I sat there and people on stage shared these enormously important stories Women in the audience were laughing and then crying. They were then sharing amongst themselves, you know, these deep, deep, deep things that they carry. Because, I mean, I felt like I was carrying heavy things, but I think all moms carry the weight of their worlds, right? If you have a child who has special needs, if you have a husband who's a total jerk, if you have a mother-in-law who's overly controlling, if your family is broken by addiction or, you know, alcoholism... Everybody carries the heaviness of their world. I was no different that day. So as much as I felt totally ostracized from kind of the normal people in this space, I was just someone who carried something heavy. Love that. And I thought, oh my God, these are my people. <laughs> like, this is what it's like to have people, you know, and you start sharing a little and they ask you some questions and you don't just say, no, I'm fine or I just moved here. You start saying, I'm really scared because I'm alone or my child, you know, is misbehaving at school and I don't know what to do about it. Do you know anyone who could help me? And so you just start hearing all of these moms cracking open a little bit of the armor that we wear and letting other people's light shine in. And I was blown away. So the whole day I stayed still tucked in the corner, but wide-eyed and open-hearted. I wanted to soak it all in. And when the day was over, I cried. I cried that it was over because I didn't want it to end. I had never had that before. I had never seen people who had been strangers become such fierce supporters of each other in a matter of hours. And I was just moved beyond words. So I emailed the two women who had started this event and I laid it all out for them you know, that I come with this heaviness of my condition, of my brain crash. But if there was any way in their heart, they could find space for someone like me to volunteer in some capacity. I would be so honored to be a part of this. And they met me for tea. I think they just wanted to make sure I wasn't this crazy stalker, (laughs) you know, two headed psychopath. And I was just a mom who needed a community. And they were like, yeah, girl, come in, like be a part of this. So for the next few years, we worked together to bring this event to moms who needed it, who wanted it, who just had to have it. And it made all the difference. And the event is called MamaCon. And it's it's been in Seattle for, so was 2012 the first year that they did it? 2012 was its first year. And it's put on by Amy and Kim. 
Yep. So Amy Lang is the Birds and Bees and Kids mama. And Kim Estes was the Safe Kids Savvy Parents mama. And the two of them came together to create a conference for women. They really saw a hole in the marketplace for moms to come and get some education and, you know, get time away from their busy lives to just bond together, recharge a little bit, have some laughs, have some wine, learn some new strategies to take home, and then go back to their lives being better than what they were when they got. So really refilling that depleted soul to continue doing what you do, which is, you know, be the best mom you can be. So they had a more business conference feel to it, and I just soaked it up. And moms who attended loved it. They were raving fans. They didn't want it to end. And we all just grew in our bond of this moment, right, of that experience. So every year after that in May, they held another MamaCon. And so I joined them again every year, and we planned it, and we created the spa and we brought in the speakers and we really tried to hit on the three pillars of what moms need, right? So the pampering, the inspiration and the enrichment. And when Amy and Kim decided last year that they both wanted to step back, a little bit of panic set in. And I was just like, what? Again, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is my thing. Like, I am the MamaCon mama. I was the one who had nobody who sat in the back of the event and I became part of this experience. Like, how could you do this to me? <laughs> and they said, sweetie, then take it over. What a compliment. What? Like, this is your baby. You know, I couldn't possibly. And they said, oh, yes, you can. You actually are the mama con mama, you are the person we tried to reach and that we reached you and pulled you in and held you tight for this many years. This is yours to grow. And it changed everything. You know, working with them was incredible, but having the opportunity to now guide and direct and, you know, oversee this experience, whoo, it's been huge. <laughs> it's been huge. So what does MamaCon mean to you now? And how has it become part of your legacy? Oh, um, I mean, that's only kind of a big question. Yeah, that is, a, <laughs> that is a huge question. I think I bring two things to MamaCon that are uniquely mine. One is this utterly unshakable belief that no mama should mama alone. I love that. that. I went through my experience without a casserole getting dropped off, without a phone call, without, you know, dandelions with a ribbon left on my doorstep is shocking. When I think how hard it was every day to be suffering from a neurological condition, this brain crash that kept burning every day in various ways, raising babies, you know, taking care of a house as best I could, running a family, like all of that is enormous in and of itself. But to do it from such a debilitated way, I cannot ever wish that on anyone. So no mama should mama alone is what I absolutely believe. And MamaCon brings that. If you come to our events, I will find you. I will see you <laughs> sitting in the corner I have ambassadors placed, you know, throughout the event that if they start to feel like someone is not feeling like this is their people, 
check in with them. Check in with them. Maybe they're scared. Maybe they haven't met someone to connect with. So they're just floating. Right. You know, I want them to connect. I want them to meet people, to grow their network, to say, oh, you too? I thought that was just me. And so that is something that I think I bring unique. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. The second thing is this really deep love of self-care. And yes. I, I know <laughs> I do it today. I do it every day. I put myself last. I say, oh, my kids need to have this. So I won't have lunch today because we ran out of bread. Or I, no, 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 no. I don't need that. I actually didn't want that anyways. I'm going to sit and do this instead of going for a walk because, you know, of course I need to reconcile my checkbook today. I put myself last all the time. I think we just do. And so having the constant reminders that I matter, that my wellness matters, that I am a better mom when I take care of me. My husband can buy me all the bracelets he wants or all the chocolates, but if I am not taking care of what actually fills me up, then all of that doesn't matter. That is just gravy and it's nice, but it is not what fills the soul, right? I think we all as moms have a little bit of the emptiness inside and we have to recognize what that is. 
some moms recharge, like fully deeply recharge by having a bath or reading a book or going on a run. So the first thing we teach it, you know, through MamaCon is what fills you up, right? What is it that you need to continue on in your day? What is it that gives you the energy to get through the confrontation with your teen without ripping out your hair or his? <laughs> what is it that gets you bending down with an open, loving heart when your toddler is throwing a tantrum and telling you how much they hate you when they don't even know what the words mean, right? So what is it that gives you that fullness and that wholeness? So when you have to face the hard things, when you are on the floor, you know what you need to do to get up. What do you need to do for you? And so I think I bring that love of self-care and it's not a selfish thing. It's not I'm going to go, you know, do selfish things for me. It's not at all that. It is, I cannot mom if I am empty. If my whole self is hungry and depleted and tired and overwhelmed, I can't serve anyone. I am snappy. I am grumpy. <laughs> I am snarky. I'm a little sharp. I don't answer questions with love. And after the 50th question, I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> None of us can relate to this. <laughs> right? Because I'm empty. They're tapping into something that is yeah. not. Yeah. And so it is a constant struggle to remember, what do I need right now? Yeah. What is the kind thing I need for me right now? Right. And then do it, right? So it's the intention of discovering what that is and then doing it, committing to do it. Yes, I totally agree. So is MamaCon a one-time-a-year event, or is it multiple events each year now? You know, I found it really hard to have one event a year because it was just so disconnected from people. I have decided that MamaCon will be held four times a year. So we have an yes. event in February. We had an event in February. We have an upcoming event in May. We will have a summer festival for families in August, which is super fun. fun. And we go back to mamas only in November. So if you think about the school year, we take care of the mamas during the school year. And in the summer, we want everyone to come. The kids, the moms, the dads, the grandmas, everybody come together. And let's just celebrate the family that you create. But then during the school year, November, the February and the May event, we've got to take care of mamas. Right. Yeah. And at this time is all Seattle based, correct? It is all Seattle based. So and tell I, us where our uh, Seattle friends can find information yeah, on this. Absolutely. So MamaCon moves around. Our November event was held in Woodenville and our February event was held downtown Seattle. And our May event will be held in Bellevue. And so MamaCon.net, you will start to see in the next week or so some information coming up about early bird pricing for tickets, our speakers our different roundtable discussions, our sponsors who will be giving great giveaways, the spa providers that are going to be coming to do hair and nails and some pampering because you know what? We don't do that. We just don't take time <laughs> for that. And we do that at MamaCon. We're like, yes, we are going to nourish you as a mom and nurture you as a woman because as much as you are a mom because of your family, you are a woman inside who has likes and dislikes and passions and desires. And we realize that there is so much more to life when all of your parts are taken care of. Yes. 
So I will connect on our show notes if listeners around greater Seattle area, or if you want to travel to this greater Seattle area for any of these events, you can definitely get on board to do that. And I will make sure that everything is linked up. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 108, and you can get all the information that Leanne has referenced here in the link to MamaCon. And then can we do our shameless mommy minute before we leave? (laughs) Yes. Okay, good. We wouldn't be able not to. I know, I know. Okay, I always ask, so I always want to be respectful of time. And before we do it, I want to take a minute and just thank you because, first of all, you need to like be on stage telling this story all the time because it's (laughs) an amazing story that can only be shared because it happened to you. It's a story that I feel no one could even make up. It couldn't be a novel. Like it can only be a life experience, but you share it in such a powerful way where I feel like as you're sharing, I just could feel the things that you were feeling. And I felt like I was with you in some of those moments. And so I just wanted to thank you for sharing so openly and very deeply and personally throughout the interview today. And then also I'm just in awe of what you have done to (laughs) empower yourself like whenever it was recognizable to you that this needs to happen, you just did it and you made it happen. And I mean, and you are alive 10 years later because of that, which I just think is, it's seriously the most phenomenal story that we've had on the Shameless Mom Academy so far. I'm so <laughs> grateful for everything that you shared today. And I just wanted to thank, oh, thank you for that. You. Those words are super kind. I- <laughs> So you know, now I we'll lighten it like up. So, you know, I'm honored to be able to share the story because I am I'm absolutely not alone in feeling alone and I'm not alone in carrying heavy things. So right. we are all there in our own stories and just, yeah, we got to get up. We got to get up. Okay. So on that note, lightning round, red wine or white wine? So because of my brain crash, I actually can't drink anymore. So what's so your, I, do you have a favorite other relaxing kind of a drink? Like a tea? Yeah, I would probably say I have a green tea. A green tea with lemon. That's my thing. Okay, nice. Current book you're reading or the last one you read? So this is a funny story. My sister, I know this is lightning. I'm not making this very lightning. (laughs) So when things get hard, I sometimes crumble inside. And my sister recognizes this. She lives in Toronto. And she sent me a book called Harold and His Purple Crayon. Oh, it's a little kid's book, right? It is a kid's book. So what happens is Harold goes through his day and if he wants something, he draws it. Mm -hmm. And so she sent me this book with this beautiful love note saying, you know, when things are tough, draw what you need. Take your purple crayon. If someone is coming down on you really hard, draw a bubble, like just protect yourself from that craziness. If you're feeling tired, draw a bed. That's what you need to do, right? So it just is this little mindset shift that she recognized that I still need sometimes to remember what it is that kind thing I need to do. So Harold and his purple crayon is beside my bed. And I read it to the kids last night because I think everybody just needs to recognize what they need, right? We kind of fill and fill and we can go shopping and we can eat constantly or we can, you know, start drinking and we do lots of things to fill what we need. But if you don't actually know what you need, you're just filling, Right. right? You're not serving you're not really filling the hunger. Right. You're not satisfying that. You're just piling stuff up. So Harold and his purple crown. I love it. I'm going to put that in the show <laughs> notes as well with a link. And I'm going to also pop over to Amazon and order that book for Vinny. <laughs> oh my God, you have to. I mean, because it's a story and it's cute, yeah. but what it means is you make your life. Yes. Right? What do you need? Sarah, what do you need today? Make it happen. Right. 
Vinny needs this message. Oh my God. <laughs> After yes. his two hour tantrum over dinner last night, my child <laughs> needs this message. <laughs> that was a great picture. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. So for those of you who didn't see, I posted on Instagram and by the time this episode is live, it will be a few weeks old, but I posted on Instagram that Vinny told me that if I ever made the dinner I made last night again, <laughs> that he would not be my friend anymore. And the I, dinner, I mean, by the way, was right. chicken teriyaki. <laughs> Oh my God. I know. I know. How like, dare is this I? this a cabbage and onion kind of dinner? Like, no. where are we going? No, I know. I know. This child, I'm telling you. Okay. Favorite non-work related thing to do with time to yourself? I take pictures. And I think part of this is because I have memory issues, of course, because that is one of the pieces of my brain that was damaged. So I capture everything and I probably take 25,000 pictures a year. Wow. That's so cool. I I capture everything, which my kids love because they, you know, they'll say, mom, do you remember that girl wore that shirt? Oh yes, I do. I have (laughs) that. I love it. What's one morning ritual you can't live without? So two things. One, I cannot live without really connecting with my kids. I hug them. I kiss them. I ask them if they had dreams. I tell them they are beautiful and they are smart and they are strong that is the message I need them to always carry in their heart because it could be today. You know, I think I'm 10 years. I think I'm past it. It could actually be today. It could be tomorrow. So connecting with them every single day is my responsibility to constantly remind them that they are enough. They are complete. They are capable and powerful and they are owners of their own purple crayon, right? So they have the power and the confidence to take care of what they need to take care of. So that is the first thing that I do every single day. And the second thing is I eat cereal because I'm a total, (laughs) I'm a total cereal addict. And I would take cereal for every meal without question. Oh my gosh. I love cereal. We don't keep cereal in our house because I cannot manage, like I have no (laughs) self-control. It's a vicious cycle of adding more milk and then adding more cereal and then adding more milk and and then the box is gone. (laughs) I'm all over that. Yes. Tell us who is your biggest inspiration? I think my biggest inspiration are, you know, this is so super cheese, but it is every mom who struggles and stumbles and stands strong. I I really believe that because I am in awe of people and their life stories and the depths to which they love their families and the power that they find inside themselves to overcome these incredibly horrific situations and complicated situations. I mean, and it's anyone, but in particular, it's moms Mm -hmm. who find themselves and face it and walk through it and come out the other side, maybe a little bruised, maybe a little bleeding, but, you know, with the confidence inside that there's nothing that will stop them. Nice. That's a good one. And if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? (laughs) You know, I think the superpower I would give them would be the ability to see themselves as their kids see them. You know, we are so hard on ourselves. Even in this interview, I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a mess or I'm this, I'm that. Oh my gosh, and you're not at all. (laughs) You know, my kids don't think I'm a mess. They think I am fun because I choose going to the park over cleaning the dishes. I don't make them make their beds because I don't really care. You know, I would rather stay on the floor and build Lego cities. And so I wish every mom could see what their children see. 
the beautiful, strong, loving women that we are. Yes, I totally with you on that. So one question, this is like the most important question probably, and I <laughs> forgot to ask it. And I was thinking this during the lightning round, like everyone's going to be dying to know this. What is your current medical prognosis? I carry myself with the belief that I am here to do important things. Yes. For my kids and for MamaCon, for the new company I'm starting called Mama Connects which will help MamaCon spread to other cities. So I hear what the doctors say, and they do take my blood, and they do my brain scans, and they come with their sticks and their pointers, and they say, no, 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 Leanne, look at what's going on here. You know, I just keep repeating back to my neurologist, yes, I see that my brain is suffering. I see that the gray matter is getting damaged with all of the stress that I have or all of the sleep I don't give myself. I know that I hurt myself that way, but you can't measure my love. You can't measure the laughter, the travel, the times with my husband, the times with my family, the times with my community, the gifts I give back to the women of MamaCon. You can't measure that with this brain scan. So I see that physically my brain might be shifting, but maybe it's shifting because what I'm doing that's important is all that really matters. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm trying to not cry so that I can actually comment on what you're saying. You're making it very difficult. <laughs> That's really amazing. And I just give you so much credit. Your story is so inspirational. And I really appreciate you sharing it because I feel like, you know, like I said in the beginning or earlier in the episode that we all have heavy things that we carry. And so we all have to some degree or another, we all have something that has like brought us to our knees and it's something that we have to carry and deal with every day. And it's all about how you manage it and it's all about how you choose to move forward. And that totally dictates the outcome. And so and you're controlling the outcome by managing your life in the way that you are. And I just commend you with like every ounce of respect in my body for doing what you're doing and, and sharing it with the world. So thank you. Oh my God, it's my pleasure. You know, 50 by 50 is, you know, this little tiny thing that I instilled to give my life bigger meaning. Mama Connects is bigger than me. So as long as we are making things bigger than ourselves, I could absolutely sit on the floor and cry about how hard things are yeah. or the pain or the pink, you know, the pink is there, you know, the bugs crawling. I still have that. But it isn't about that, right? It's bigger than that. So as long as I keep that what I focus on, that is what will grow. The bugs, yeah, they're shrinking. You know, I'm just telling them shrink, keep shrinking. So it's a journey. It's a journey. Oh, Ma'am, you are doing it very gracefully. Leanne, thank you so much for everything you've shared today. And I'm so delighted that we have connected as we have. And I'm looking forward to our relationship growing and blossoming. So I'm just really, really grateful to have you in my life now. And I look forward to sharing this interview with the world. And I hope that everyone listening shares this interview on social media and via email to friends, just because everyone needs to hear stories like this so that when you are faced with those tough times, you immediately think about like, oh, wait, I can stand up. I will stand up. I'm going to stand up. So Leanne, thank you. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. 
So again, if you want to connect with Leanne, you can reach her through the MamaCon links. And if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 108, you will see links to her website and the links to her Facebook page where you can follow her online. And I just want to let you know that it would mean so much to Leanne and I if you could share this episode, if this story touched you at all. Leanne has really put herself out there in the last few years. She's sharing her story. It's a big story, but it's a scary story. And we don't know what the end of the story is. And so as we touched upon at the end of this episode, so I think that creating awareness about some of these situations that mamas live in and the things that we carry with us is so significant because it only helps us be stronger together when we know each other's stories. So please do share this episode out. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 108 to get the link, or you can go to our social media channels over on Instagram or Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy and share directly from those pages as well. The links will be there. I want to thank you for spending time with us today. If this is your first time in the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and you can subscribe and get immediate access to all new episodes if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you to our iTunes page where there's a little link that says subscribe. So there's a little button. You click the button to subscribe and you'll get immediate access to all new episodes. While you're there, you could also leave a review. So if you loved this episode as much as I did. If this was helpful and inspirational to you, please do take a minute to just drop a sentence or two and let Leanne and I know what you loved about episode 108 and how it impacted you. It would really help my show, but it would also help Leanne know that this was meaningful and a really good use of her time and her energy to share her story today. So thank you for joining us. I will be back in just a couple days with another episode of the Shameless Mom Academy. And until then, make sure no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.